today on It's Time. The Bible was written because God loves us and we will live our lives without regret. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 2 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we're at. Let's pray. Fathers, we go to your word today. Thank you that you have given us your word. This is how you're going to judge the world someday, is by this book. And so we want to spend this time, as we look at this, to know what you have to say to us today, how it will help us live our lives better for you and for those around us. And so as we spend this time in your study, may your Holy Spirit speak to us. May we be changed. May we never be the same. Because when your word goes into our heart, we have been transformed. And so we ask you now, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And I really believe it's the Holy Spirit that makes makes the word of God come alive in our hearts today. And so as we look at this, we'll read two verses from last week, and then we'll go into chapter four. Let's go back to uh, chapter three. He says in verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Isn't that great to know? I had somebody come up to me and they said, Do you mean to tell me you live your life by what the Bible says? And I said, well, by the nature of your question, you live your life by something. What do you live your life by? You see, everybody has some kind of code of ethics that they live by. Where do you get that from in this world today? Do you get it from the lyrics and the songs on the radio? I hope not. Do you get it from your friends, Ann Landers, uh, uh, the current trend fad of the day? She see, the Bible tells us the standard in which God wants. Now, why is that? If you believe we're cosmic sludge, lightning in a swamp, a bunch of squiggly things started moving all over, they crawled out on dry land, grew a bunch of hair, shaved all their hair off, and became truck drivers, you've got a real surprise coming. You are divinely and supernaturally created by God. And because of that, you have a divine purpose. What is that divine purpose? God knows how we were designed to work. We go outside that parameter. The Bible says there's fun and sin for a season, but our lives don't work right. And so this is why Paul, writing this young minister named Timothy, telling him this is what you've got to do if things are going to go right in your life. In other words, we need guidance. I need guidance. You need guidance. Do you realize how social we as people are? 
You've heard so much about social media. Well, that's because everybody wants to talk to everybody. Hey, what do you think about this? I don't know. What do you think about this? And everybody talks back and forth and trying to figure out what the best way to go is. Well, Paul, this elderly man, and this is the last letter he wrote. You see, he was arrested for being a Christian. He was arrested because he wouldn't go along with the Roman culture of pantheism. Well, there's a lot of gods out there. Just pick one, you'll groove, everybody will get along all right. Paul did not do that. And he wouldn't embrace Nero as God, the emperor as God. And so he got into a lot of trouble concerning that. And even the Jews turned on Paul in Jerusalem and said, we have no leader but Caesar. Well... This is why Paul got arrested and he was carried away. He was released for a short time. And then they decided to rearrest him and bring him back in. Well, now Paul, this elderly man, is writing this young minister that is there at Ephesus. And he's writing to him and he says, I charge you, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom... Preach the word, be ready instant, be, or literally instant, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Now, th- this is really, really important because here he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge. There is a judgment coming after this life. Now, a lot of times we think, well, you know, I'll, I'll kind of do something with God when I got those IV tubes in me. I'm laying in the hospital. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. And you're laying there. Okay, God, I just want to get right with and And you know what? The Bible tells us that God will accept us. Isn't that amazing? We find the thief on the cross. He looked over at Jesus and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. No, when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified between two criminals. One says, well, if you're really God, save yourself and us too. The other one said, don't you fear God? We deserve to be up here. But this man's done nothing. And he looked at Jesus and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And instantly Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He did not say it's a progressive... It isn't reincarnation. It isn't, well, you got to go back and burn off some bad karma. You know, hopefully you'll come back as a grasshopper and you'll do a little better next time around. He simply said to him, you'll be with me in paradise today. Now, why is that important? God has the power to forgive our past like that. And you know, one of the greatest things that you will ever know is God's forgiveness in your life. Why is that? Because if you cannot get free from your past, what you did yesterday, what you did a year ago, what you did 10 years ago, it will haunt you your whole life. And this is one of the problems. And this is why our offices and our psychology departments are full of people because they can't decouple from the things they've done. Why? It bothers them. Because what you do affects who you are. And the thing is, we can try to imagine it away. We can kind of say, well, I don't really think those things are happening. But nevertheless, the point is, what you do affects the way you live today and the rest of your lives. 
The Bible was written because God loves us and we will live our lives without regret. In other words, wishing we had done something different in our life. People have oftentimes said, if I knew how that was going to come out in my life, I'd have never done that. Yeah, that's it. That's the truth. Because God gives us his supernatural insight concerning the way we live today versus having to wait to see how it comes out later. So he says, I charge you. This is, this is really, I, he's, I'm commissioning you to do this. Preach the word. Now, what's that mean? That means to speak the word, not just know God's word, but to, to share that with people. Do you know how many people around you and me every day are completely lost without a clue why they're on this earth? Well, you know, you just, you know, he with the most toys when he dies wins. You've heard that one? What does he win? Nothing. There, there's nothing from this life going into the next life except people. And people need direction in their life. Now, the thing is, the devil has been very clever in painting God out to be a cosmic killjoy. In other words, anything fun, God doesn't want you to do. In fact, being a Christian, you take 10 of the things you like to do the best and 10 of the things you hate to do the most, and you switch them. Well, that's not what being a Christian is. The Bible tells us he came to give us life and that more abundantly. What do we need in our life? Life. Do you see how many commercials on TV say if you'll use this product, you'll have life? Miller High Life. You know, go for the gusto. You know, if you have all these different things that will add to you. Well, what do we really need? What are we going to get into our life that isn't going to cause us to look over our shoulder and say, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You see, God wants to protect you and me. Why? Because he loves us. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not joining a church. It's becoming one of God's children. How do I do that? Well, primarily by asking. And I have to do one other thing. And it's the only thing I need to do. It's where I say, you know, God, I want you to run my life. It's not me. It's you. And he says, so preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. And this is why I don't drink. I, I want to always be able to help people. And I've helped a lot of people in my life. From painting their cars to putting in wheel bearings to to setting up with them all night at three in the morning in the hospital. I've done a lot of things like that. And the thing that I have found is he says here, be instant in season and out. If I'm stoned or if I'm drunk, I can't be that way. That's why Paul writes to Timothy and says, that's why ministers aren't to drink. Because how can you be instant in season and out of season if you're stoned? So we don't want to do that. And I've been around a lot of people that like to get stoned a lot. I, I kind of came out of the, the hippie movement, the, the Jesus. I cut my hair. But the thing is, you have to imagine me with hair, first of all, before you can imagine it being cut. But the thing is, I did have long hair at one time. 
And, and I remember that, that, you know, there was such a, 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 a thing of getting loaded and stoned and everybody get loaded and stoned. I remember one time, I've never shared this before, but they had a California jam at the uh, Ontario Motor Speedway, if anybody ever remembers that. And they were going to have like a kind of a Woodstock kind of thing going on. And they had all these bands there. Well, I had some friends that they thought it'd be really cool to eat their drugs while they're on the way to California Jam so they would be peaking during the concert. Except one big problem. You don't do that in California. There was a traffic jam. And so while the concert is already going, the cars are backed up on the San Bernardino Freeway. These guys are peeking out. Man, oh, look at the colors, you know. And they didn't know what to do. So they got out of their car, bumper to bumper traffic. They got out of their car and they ran off the freeway and ran into the, into the Ontario Motor Speedway. Crazy stuff. I will tell you this. I know many people. I don't know how many brain cells they have to begin with. Please don't kill the few you got left. Because <laughs> it, will, it will leave a mark. He says... Be instant in season and out of season. Stay, stay, stay away from that stuff that messes you up. You don't need it. Convince. That means know what you're talking about so you can convince somebody. You, you know, when, when, when uh, you, you talk to people, and, and one of the things I've told people is I said, do you want another five years like you just had in your life? No, I don't want another five years. Good. That's great. That's wisdom. Now let God run your life instead. That's convincing. Rebuking. That means when you see a friend you love and, and they're on the wrong road, you've got enough gumption and you know enough of God's word to say, brother, sister, you're on the wrong road. That's rebuke. Now, I want to be careful in rebuking that I don't want to interject myself into the situation. In other words, I'm not a sin sniffer. I'm, I am a friend. And so that means that if I see somebody overtaken in a fault... And we, we call all these names different in the world than we do in Christianity. Now, there's, of course, a, a much different outcome. But you might say this uh, rebuke is what you would call, have you heard this, intervention. You know, the guy comes over, hey, you want to come over tonight and see us? And he comes over, and as he comes over, there's like nine people in the room. Sit down, we want to talk to you. Ah! That's intervention. But here's the point. Rebuke is not just finding somebody's fault and pointing it out. It's like saying, I want to come and I want to help you get out of whatever you're in. And thank God in my life for friends that helped me get out of things that I had gotten myself into. Amen. We see that. So he says, convince, rebuke, exhort. Now that's a neat word. Exhort means to build somebody up. When you're doing good, tell them they're doing good. Do you know a lot of people are really lonely? A lot of people don't have people around them to say, hey, you're doing good. You see, because maybe a lot of their friends have left. Maybe some of their friends have died. Maybe their friends have moved away. Exhortation in the Bible, not what I think is good, but what God says when you're doing good. Then he says, with all long-suffering and teaching. Long-suffering means to put up with them over and over again. So 
Sometimes when you rebuke somebody, you're going to try to correct it. But at the same time, you're trying to correct it. You're going to be there to help them. Oh, they fell down again. They skinned their knees. Oh, there's a worldly term for that. They fell off the wagon. Well, I'm going to be there for you to pick you up and to love you in Jesus. Okay? The time will come when people literally will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Now, this is where, unfortunately, the modern church has departed from the Bible and got into psychobabble, self-realization, self-motivational speaking, all this stuff that's replaced the Bible, unfortunately, in the church, because they have itching ears. Now, again, this is why we want to always keep the Word of God the foremost thing in our life. Because this is how God's going to judge the world someday. So we want to always, always have this understanding of what God expects from us, not what I expect from you or what you expect from me. That could be a sliding scale depending on what society you're in. So he says... They'll heap up for themselves teachers having itching ears. One thing you always want to remember is bad doctrine appeals to the flesh. And in some way, it tries to offer a shortcut. It just does. There is so many goofy things going on in, in, in churches today across America. And I, I'm not the judge, but I can tell you what the Bible says and how it discounts it. There's one TV evangelist. He goes to the graves of the ministers who have died in the past. He lays on their grave, and it's called soul-sucking. Can you believe this? It's true. Check it out. Just Google search soul-sucking. You just go, my goodness, how crazy. Or they're looking for gold dust. Or they're holy laughter or holy howling. These winds of doctrine that blow through because it's not rooted in the Bible. See, one thing about the Bible, God's word never changes. I never have to worry about what mood God's in because his word tells me what's acceptable and it's not acceptable because you were designed by God to follow his word. In other words, the Bible is the owner's manual for your life. Like you have a new owner's manual for a new car you might purchase and you look through it to find out when you're supposed to change the oil or what the air pressure should be in the tires. The Bible is that book in which helps you, will tell you what you need to do so you'll have a life without regret. It says they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Why is that? Because the flesh likes lies. Oh man, have you seen that? Have you seen that in your own life? You see things, promises that can never come true. We'll choose that sometimes over the surety of God's word. So it says they'll turn their ears away. He says, but you, you're different. He says, but you be watchful in all things Endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, and fulfill your ministry. Do you realize that every one of us, if you're born again, if you've asked Christ to come in your life, and Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're turning our will over to God. When you do that, you become God's mouthpiece. Wow. Do you realize you give the Bible 
a voice. You do. That's what you do. So he says, do the work of an evangelist. You're going to see people every day ministers will never see. And you can show that love of God that God has shown you to others. And that's so important. Now he says here, because Paul knows this is his last letter. Evidently, he had a preliminary hearing in court. And he saw their attitude. He knew it wasn't going to go well. And so Paul, these are Paul's last letters. Now you've got to realize, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. He's a great encourager. And he realized now that he was at the end of his life. Now, again, if somebody come to you and told you that you only had a couple of months to live, what would you do? I had a friend. They uh, went in for a uh, gallbladder. And they cut him open. And they sewed him back up. And they said, you've got about a month to live. You're full of cancer. Wow. I, I was just going in for a simple operation. And now they're telling me I'm done? Exactly. You see, this is why we have the Bible. So we don't find Paul in a boo-hoo problem right now. Nobody loves me, everybody hates me. But what he writes here is the instruction that he knows is important as he writes this younger minister. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. He realized time is short. And he realized he wanted to do everything he could to not only encourage Timothy, but to warn him about maybe some bad people that were kind of around in those days. Do you believe there's bad people around today? Oh, I think you do. I think we all recognize that. Not to be a gossip, but to be careful. Now he says, for I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I've kept the faith. Notice he says, my departure is at hand. I think that's amazing. Because the Bible tells us to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That's one of the great sureties of somebody that believes in Christ. Not because I joined a church, not because I did a pledge card. It's simply because I prayed and said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. You see, you are adopted. Are you willing to be adopted? That's the thing. And all it requires you and me to say is, yeah, Lord, I want to live for you from now on. I don't want to live the stupid way I lived before. And the Bible says he forgives our sins. He's faithful to just and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what God wants and what he'll do for us. Now he says my departure. Notice it doesn't say my soul will sleep with my body. I do not believe in a doctrine called soul sleep. When you die, your spirit stays in your body until resurrection day. There's ample verses through the Bible, whether we're looking at 1 Kings 17.22, where Elijah heals this little boy who had died. And the Bible says his spirit returned to him. Or in the book of Luke 8.55, this is where Jarius, one of the people of that day, came to Jesus and said, my daughter is grievously ill. Would you come and, and pray for her? And while he's talking to Jesus, Jarius' servants came and said, don't trouble the master, your daughter is dead. She just died. Well, Jesus said, let's go anyway. 
So he went with Jarius to the place, and it must have been a little bit of a journey because by the time he got there, the mourners were all out, you know, whoa, whoa, you know, that's what they would do. And, and, and depending on how big a group of people you had was how much you were loved. And so they would actually pay professional mourners sometimes at a, at a Jewish grave to come in. Whoa, whoa, and that's what they would do. Oh, this person was really left. Look at all these mourners. Well, a lot of them were paid. And so anyway, Jesus came and all the mourners are there. And she said, well, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. The Bible says they laughed him to scorn. So you know what Jesus did? He put them all out. He took just a couple of his disciples into the room where the little girl was at. And he looked at the little girl and he said, Tabitha, arise. It's funny that he knew her name. And the Bible says she sat up. And it says her spirit returned to her. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.